Kidnapped by R. L. Stevenson Chapter 1 Leaving Essendine To be precise, a morning of June 1751 marked the beginning of David Balfour's long adventures. At the time, he was around 17 years of age. He took the keys out of the door of his dead father's house for the last time. As he went down the road, the sun began to shine upon the top of the hills. Soon he came as far as the mansion. While the mist that hung around the valley at the time of the dawn was arising and dying away, the blackbirds kept whistling in the garden. Mr. Campbell, the minister of Essendine, was waiting for David by the garden gate. He was a good man. As soon as he saw the young lad, he asked, David Balfour, did you have your breakfast? Upon hearing that, the young boy lacked for nothing. Campbell took his both hands and clapped it kindly under his arm. Are you sorry to leave Essendine? He said after a while. Why, sir? David said. If I knew where I was going or what was likely to become of me, I would have told you openly. Essendine is a good place and I have been very happy there. But then, I have never been anywhere else. My father and mother, since they are both dead, I shall be no one nearer to in Essendine than in the kin kingdom of Hungary. To speak the truth, if I thought I had a chance to progress where I was going, I would go with a good will. Mr. Campbell hesitantly told David what he thought about the lad's future. He informed David that his father had asked him to deliver a letter after his death. Mr. Campbell, after reading the letter, told David that his uncle lived at the house of Shaw's at Cremond. The house of Shaw's? cried David. What had my poor father to do with the house of Shaw's? No, said Mr. Campbell. Who can tell that for a surety? But the name of that family, Davy, boy, is the name you bear. Balfour's of Shaw's, an ancient, honest, reputable house. Campbell gave David the letter, which was addressed in these words. To the hands of Ebenezer, Balfour, Esquire of Shaw's, in his house of Shaw's, these will be delivered by my son, David Balfour. David's heart began beating hard at the great prospect. Till now, he had been the son of a poor man of Scotland in the forest of Ettrick. But now, his fortune had changed completely. Mr. Campbell, he spoke, and if you were in my shoes, would you go? Surely, said the minister, that I would, and without pause, a pretty lad like you should land to Cremond, nearby Edinburgh in two days of walk. If the worst came to the worst, and your unknown high relations should put you to the door, you can always come back, but I would rather hope that you should be well received 
as your poor father thought and for anything that i wish to be a great man in time and here devi lady he said it lies near upon my conscience to improve this parting and set you on the right guard against the dangers of the world be sober devi in things immaterial he continued bear this in mind that those gentle born you have had a country to be proud of well sir said david and promised to be good it was time for mr campbell to leave however before leaving he spoke of four gifts the first was the small amount of money due to the minister's purchase of david's father's old books about of the other three gifts he told the first one was round but would not last for long the second was flat and square and written upon and would last his life the third was cubical and would lead david to a better land the minister hugged david abruptly and left in tears david watched him as long as he was in sight but campbell neither stopped nor looked back david realized that campbell's sorrow was at his departure he felt guilty but was not upset as a lucrative future awaited him he sat down on the boulder the good man had just left and opened the parcel to see the gifts the gift that mr campbell had called cubical was a bible the round gift was a shilling piece and the third gift which was to help david in sickness and health all the days of his life was a little piece of coarse yellow paper on which was written in red ink to make lily of the water valley take the flowers of lily of the valley and distill them in sack and drink a spoonful or two as there is occasion it restores speech to those that have the dumb palsy it is good against the gout it comforts the heart and strengthens the memory and the flowers put into a glasse clothes stop and set into a hill of ants for a month then take it out and you will find a liquor which comes from the flowers which keep in a vial it is good for ill whether man or woman the minister had written in his own handwriting after that likewise for sprains rub it in and for the colic a great teaspoon in the hour reading this david laughed but it was rather a tremulous laughter he was glad to get his bundle on his staff's end and set out over the ford and up the hill upon the farther side till just as he came on the green drove road running white through the heather he took a last look of kirk essendine the trees about the mansey and the big rowans in the kirkyard where his father and mother lay this is the end of chapter 1 
meet you in the next episode with chapter 2 from Kidnapped by R.L. Stevenson. Stevenson Chapter 2 The House of Shaws David came to the top of a hill on the forenoon of the second day He saw the country fall away before him down to the sea The city of Edinburgh was smoking like a kiln There were castles and ships moving or lying anchored far apart David saw a flag upon a castle. After a long walk, he came by a house where a shepherd lived. On inquiring about Grayman's house, he received a rough direction that caused him more travelling from one to another. After a long while, he finally reached the Glasgow road. On the way, the boy was delighted to see military regiment walking in red coats with their pope's hats the pride of life seemed to mount into his brain at the sight of the red coats and the hearing of that merry music david went a little farther on he was told that he was in cremant parish he began to add in his inquiries the name of the house of shaws weirdly his inquiries seemed to surprise those of whom he met on his way at first he thought that the weird reaction might have been due to the plainness of his appearance in his country clothes however after a couple of people had given him the same look and the same answer he began to wonder about the shaws he took it in his head that there was something strange about the shaws to set this fear at rest david changed the form of his inquiry spying an honest fellow cartman coming along a lane on the shaft of his cart he asked him if he had ever heard anyone tell of a house they called the house of shaws the fellow stopped his cart and looked at david like the others but with less reaction is it a great house david asked doubtless the man said the house is a big muckle house but what about the people who live in it david asked people cried the man Are you deaf? There are no people in there to be called people. What? cried David. Not even Mr. Ebenezer? Oh yes, said the man. That lies there to be sure. If it's him you want to meet, what's your business there? Modestly, David said, I was led to think that i would get a situation what cried the man in a sharp tone well ma'am he added it's none of my affairs the 
but you seem to be a decent spoken lad i'll advise you to keep clear of the shawl taking the warning david proceeded further the next person he came across was a dapper little man in a beautiful white wig he was a barber on his rounds knowing well that barbers had great gossips david asked him plainly what sort of a man was mr balfour of the shawl what said the barber not a man not a man at all he began to ask david very shrewdly what his business was but david outwitted him and so the barber went on to his next customer each experience left david disillusioned the more indistinct the accusations were the less he liked them for the less the wider field to fancy he started thinking of going back towards essendine but since the boy had come so far he decided to have courage and lead towards cremant parish with wild fascination about the house and inmates he still kept asking on his way and kept advancing it was drawing on to sundown when he met a stout dark sour looking woman coming down a hill when david put to her his casual question the woman turned sharp and was enraged by the memories of the house and its inhabitants the woman led david to a summit and pointed to a great bulk of building standing area bare upon a green in the bottom of the next valley the country seemed pleasant to the eyes running in low hills pleasantly watered and wooded but the house itself seemed as an unfinished construction it appeared to be a kind of ruin no road led up to it no smoke arose from any of the chimneys nor was there any sign of a garden david's heart sank seeing the house that he cried hearing this the woman's face lit up with a malignant anger that is the house of shaws she cried cursing the house blood built it blood stopped the building of it and blood shall build bring it down see here the woman went away cursing the house and leaving david alone he stood where she left him with his hair on end terrified by the curse he sat down and stared at the house of shawls the more he looked the pleasanter the countryside appeared he was impressed by the beauty of the hawthorn bushes full of flowers the fields dotted with sheep a fine flight of rooks in the sky and every sign of kind soil and climate people went by from the fields as david sat there on the side of the ditch but he lacked the spirit to even greet them as the sun went down and then right up against the yellow sky david saw a scroll of smoke coming up it was not thicker than the smoke of a candle however still it excited him as it signaled fire warmth cookery and some living inhabitant that must have lit it this comforted him a 
sure of the existence of inhabitants, David set forward by a little faint track in the grass towards the house. He reached stone uprights with an unroofed lodge beside them and coats of arms upon the top. He proceeded towards the door that was difficult to locate as most of the construction seemed unfinished. Instead of gates of wrought iron, a pair of hurdles was tied across with a rope encircling round the main door. The nearer David got to that, the drearier it appeared. It seemed like the one wing of a house that had never been finished. Many of the windows were unglazed and bats flew in and out like doves out of a dove cot. It was getting dark as David got close to the house. In three of the lower windows, which were very high up and narrow and well barred, the changing light of a little fire began to glimmer. He proceeded forward cautiously. As he reached nearer, he heard someone rattling with dishes and a little dry, eager cough that came in fits. But there was no sound of speech and not a dog barked. The door seemed like a great piece of wood all studded with nails. David lifted his hand with a faint heart under the jacket and knocked one. Then he stood and waited. The house had fallen into a dead silence. A whole minute passed away and nothing stirred but the bats overhead. David knocked again and hearkened again. By this time, his ears had grown so accustomed to the quiet that he could hear the ticking of the clock inside as it slowly counted out the seconds. However, the man in the house kept deadly still in spite of David's knock. David was confused whether to run away or to stay. However, anger got the upper hand and he began to kick the door hard continuously. He began shouting out aloud for Mr. Balfour. David was in full rage when he heard a cough right overhead. He jumped back and saw a man's head in a tall nightcap. It's loaded, said a voice. An old man peered out with a loaded gun. I have come here with a letter, David said, for Mr. Ebenezer Balfour of Shaws. Is he here? From whom is it? asked the man. The man got anxious and asked David to leave the letter on the door itself. I will not do such thing, cried David on hearing the man. I will deliver it into Mr. Balfour's hands as it was meant I should. It is a letter of introduction. A what? cried the voice sharply. David repeated what he had said. Who are you? was the next question after a considerable pause. I am not ashamed of my name, said David. They call me David Balfour. After a long pause and with a curious change of voice, the next question from the man came. Is your father dead? David was so much surprised at this that he could not find voice to answer, but stood 
staring. Well, continued the man, he'll be dead, no doubt, and that will be what brings you to my door. Another pause, the man said. Well, ma'am, I'll let you in. Saying this, he disappears from the window. Here comes an end to the chapter 2 of Kidnapped by R.L. Stevenson. Meet you in the next episode with chapter 3. Welcome to Chapter 3 Meeting Ebenezer After hearing from David, the old man allowed him to stay in the house. He asked David to move into the kitchen but cautioned him not to touch anything. With a small blow in hand, David entered into the dark kitchen to see the barest room he had ever seen. Around half a dozen dishes stood upon the shelves. The table was laid for supper with a bowl of porridge, a horn spoon and a cup of small beer. David sat on the table and soon the old man joined him. He was a mean, stooping, narrow-shouldered, clay-faced creature and his age might have been anything between 50 and 70. His nightcap was of flannel and so was the nightgown that he wore over his ragged shirt. He was long, unshaved, but what most distressed was even daunted David. He neither took his eyes away from David nor looked him fairly in the face. The man offered David some porridge already put on the table, which seemed like his left-out food. However, David reluctantly denied it. Later, as the two started talking, David came to know that the old man was none other than brother of his own father, his own uncle. As it was, David could find no words. He landed the letter to the old man's hand and sat down to the porridge with a little appetite for meat as ever a young man had. Meanwhile, the old man, stooping over the fire, turned the letter over and over in his hands. Ebenezer spent a considerable time in the letter and then asked David the reason of his arrival. David confessed that he came for help from his kin, but of course not looking for any favours. As time passed, the two started discussing David's father's fondness of meat. Gradually, David started becoming a little comfortable with Ebenezer. The old man told him that his father was a secretive man and during his lifetime he hardly talked about himself. David confirmed the fact by telling that he had never known of Ebenezer's existence or the Shaws. After a long discussion at the dinner table, Ebenezer decided to lead the boy to his bedroom. The darkness was overwhelming and with no candle or lamp to guide the way, David could not see the bed. However, when he found the bed, it was so dirty that he had to use his own bedroll and sleep on the floor. When David woke up in the morning, he found 
a grand room with well furnished furniture lit with three windows but filled with damp dirt mice and spiders many of the window panes were broken ebenezer took him to well to have a wash in the chilling cold the meal in the morning was porridge again david was offered beer but it was served from ebenezer's cup gradually the two started talking ebenezer assured david to find employment for him david told the man that he had not willfully shot him and would be glad to leave if he desired however the old man comforted him repeating that he would do nothing wrong to him as long as he did not say anything to anyone gradually david and ebenezer became good friends david felt confident of asking questions that would make him angry on one occasion he mentioned the name of the lady janet closton who had showed him the house on hearing the lady's name ebenezer was ready to go punish the lady however later he postponed the wild idea as david refused to stay outdoors while he was out to punish the lady despite of their differences there was something between them that made david to stay with ebenezer for a short while here comes an end to chapter 3
Ebenezer made a great effort upon himself. Calming himself a little, Ebenezer said, You should not speak to me about your father. That's where the mistake is. He sat a while and shook, blinking in his plate. The incident went so clean beyond David's comprehension that it put him into both fear and hope. On the one hand, he began to think that his uncle was perhaps insane and might be dangerous. On the other, there came upon into his mind the story of a poor boy who was the rightful heir of a vast property, but was kept away from his right by a wicked kinsman. He thought of the old man as a man with some secrets which he did not want to share with him. With this notion, David sat with Ebenezer at the dinner table. He began to imitate the old man's covert looks. Each steadily observed the other. The two did not talk for quite a while. Not even a silent whisper passed between them. But David observed the old man was busy turning something secretly over in his mind. The longer they sat, the more David looked at him, and the more certain he became that there was something unfriendly about the old man. When Ebenezer had cleared the platter, he got out a single pipeful of tobacco. He turned round a stool into the chimney corner and sat a while smoking, with his back to David. At last, the old man told David that he had promised to his father before his death to save money for him. Till date, the savings amounted for 40 sterlings. Hearing this, David could not believe that the old miser had saved any money for him. Here comes an end to part A of chapter 4.